Well, maybe we're not out of the woods yet. Markets were celebrating US CPI last week. Inflation seemed to be softening. But then on Friday, we got producer prices showing that, well, maybe we're not there yet, particularly in that pesky services sector. So yields are rising, none more so than in the UK, where GDP rose way more than envisaged, giving the Bank of England the ammunition it needs to go higher. And the RBN said this week, well, maybe they don't need to do much. Uh, they are quite a rare breed at the moment, aren't they? It's Monday, the 14th of August, 2023. It's the morning call from now. Good morning. Well, the US dollar was up 0.3% on Friday on the DXY, up three quarters of 1% over the week and 3% up over the last month. And the Aussie dollar weaker, losing 0.3% on Friday. It's below 65 US cents now. That is 2.9% down over the last month. The euro also 0.3% down on Friday, but just 2.4% down over the month. So not quite as bad as the fall in the Aussie. But we have been seeing, of course, bigger falls for the Japanese yen. The US dollar managed to gain 0.2% on the yen on Friday and over 5% over the month. Uh, but the yen is managing to climb a bit out of the starting blocks this morning. The Aussie dollar is also up a little bit today in early trade as well. We've seen a marked rise in bond yields on Friday. Ten-year treasuries are up five basis points, back up to 4.15%, a similar rise for two years. But in Europe, uh, 10 basis points added to 10-year bonds, similar for France, the Netherlands, Italy, Spain. The UK saw 10-year gilt yields up 16 basis points on Friday, up over 4.53%. Aussie 10 years climbed six basis points on Friday up to 4.11% and up another five basis points on futures since. And shares, none too happy. The Dow did manage a 0.3% rise on Friday, but the S&P was down a smidgen. 0.7% wiped off the Nasdaq. And in Europe, well, 1.4% off the Eurostox 50, 1% off the DAX, 1.2% off the FTSE 100. The CSI 300 on a Friday down 2.3%. That's down 3.4% over the week last week and oil rising on friday wti and brent both up around half a percent brent a little below 87 it got over 87 last week uh, only a dollar or so off the 52 week high so opec must be delighted about that news so a lot of movement at the end of the week why well let's talk it through with nabs taylor nugent in melbourne i mean this seems like quite a response doesn't it to friday's producer prices out of the u.s particularly considering markets had been breathing a collective sigh of relief had they over the cps uh, cpi earlier in the week actually the day before but now it seems you know because we thought inflation had peaked now it seems there's concern that inflation isn't coming down or if it is coming down those producer prices perhaps suggesting it's not coming down quite as quickly as we thought yeah good morning phil that's right so ppi a little bit stronger than expected coming in at 0.3 percent month on month versus 0.2 expected and you know in isolation you'd think there wouldn't be too much um reason for a, a market uh, market reaction to that. But yeah, certainly in the context of that second kind of unambiguously good news uh, CPI release the the prior day and, and hope for a soft landing and, and these kind of inflation pressures that have been kind of menacing the, the economic backdrop, largely looking to be resolving themselves. I think, you know, the, the message from Fed speakers that, you know, there's encouraging news here, but there's still, still very much a, a watching brief on this inflation data in, in the context of, of tight labour markets and, and a nominal demand backdrop that's still very much kind of an open question how consistent that is with that target inflation going forward. And how many times are we being told by the Fed, you know, it's all in the data now? So 
Markets are just any any bit of data. <laughs> markets are responding rather swiftly to it. Yeah, I think that's right. That kind of sensitivity to the upside surprise there. Yeah, two year um, yields around around five basis points higher um, on on the day, mm. and you know up around ten basis points immediately after that that PPI data. So a, a fairly big reaction to what you know. Looking at the detail from my perspective, certainly you know a little bit stronger than expected. Sure, um, but you know nothing in here to kind of change that that broader story coming through from from the PPI that kind of that that those goods price pressures they were kind of broadly broadly flat and there's still that kind of downside pressure coming from from Chinese manufactured exports so that kind of trend decline there probably still still in place as we look forward and services a bit stronger and certainly you know scope there for for margins to to continue to compress which will weigh but as you say a little bit of a pause in in that process in in the month which Maybe a little bit of concern that you know that demand backdrop is is fairly strong, um, and just again, yeah, showing that that sensitivity to to the risks of of reacceleration in in inflation while while activity remains resilient. Well, services was up half a percent, wasn't it, month on month, which is the highest increase since March twenty twenty two. So, uh, you know, people are still spending. That's the problem. Our food price is going up because people are still eating. I mean, what are they thinking? If, if we use this time for collective weight loss, then we could all bring inflation down, couldn't we? But we haven't cottoned onto that yet. It's as simple as that. That's all we need to do. <laughs> well, uh, you know, food, what, you food prices are a, a, a challenging one, certainly. But yeah, I think the the broader point there that, you know, there's a lot of good news on these kind of supply driven inflation stories. There's a yeah. lot of the kind of sectoral processes are, are playing out as hoped. But that open question really still is. How where will inflation settle on a on a forward looking basis? Given how tight the labour market is, given where nominal income growth is, and and that resilience of activity, um, and PPI here just kind of showing that you know the the surprises or the or the data on on inflation doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily going to kind of be all all good news from from here on out. There is still that scope for some bad news on the inflation cycle. I mean, PPI has been going down, hasn't it? So this is just a you know a one off uptick. I mean, it's not going to outweigh the CPI numbers far as the uh, expectations from the Fed is no, it? you're right. Yeah, so certainly nothing, nothing narrative changing here. But I think you see in kind of the the reaction in, in US yields that there is some sensitivity there to it. Um, but as you say, don't need to, no need to to overplay it in terms of that near term outlook for for the Fed still um, still. Pricing no no more hikes, so it's a risk of maybe one more, and then and then cuts through through twenty twenty four, and don't think there's anything to kind of meaningfully shift shift the dial there. Well, there's a match to take out of the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment reading yeah, on on Friday. So their current market conditions they increased from seventy six point six to seventy seven point four. Inflation expectations fell from three point four to three point three percent. So, I mean, that that shows, you know, that's talking soft landing, isn't it? Which is, again, at odds with that PPI number, which is sort of like saying, well, maybe it's, you know, maybe inflation's not over yet. Yeah, yeah. And a little bit of enthusiasm back in um, on, on the back of that that University of Michigan survey a, a couple of hours after the, the PPI data. I think broadly there, you know, the headline um, index dipped a, a little bit um, at 71.2. So, you know, 
chopping kind of sideways over over the last few months, still well below where it was uh, prior to the pandemic, and just kind of reflecting assessments of you know um, the current um, current financial conditions, and and not really responding too much to that fall that we've seen in in headline inflation just yet. But certainly in their you know short term um, inflation expectations in that survey did fall a little bit to three point three percent, and the the closely watched five to ten year inflation expectation in there as well. It did it did tick down to 2.9, but still kind of within its recent range um, of the last kind of year or so. Um, and so still a little bit above where it was prior to the pandemic. So there's, there's plenty of other indicators there. And again, this isn't a data point that's going to kind of completely force a, a reassessment compared to what's coming through in the hard data, but a little bit more of a fall in that long-term inflation expectation number out of, um, out of the University of Michigan survey would kind of give the Fed a little bit more more comfort in that long-term outlook. Well, one number on Friday uh, that might make a central bank uh, sit up and uh, pay attention, and you talked about, you know, uh, pre-COVID levels. One thing that hasn't got back to pre-COVID levels is UK GDP, even though it's having a bit of a go at it. So we saw uh, an unexpected rise in uh, in the GDP numbers uh, out on Friday. So June was uh, half percent higher than May. Uh, Q2 year on year was up 0.4% from 0.2% in Q1. Now, I think the Bank of England expected it to be 0.1%, hadn't they? So this is um, much, you know, an upside surprise. Presumably, this is why we've seen this sharp rise in bond yields, because, you know, there is this expectation now, perhaps, that the, the Bank of England will be pushing even higher than perhaps we had previously thought. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So gilt's certainly a bit of an underperformer. Um, on on Friday, yields down, yields up kind of 13 to 16 basis points across the, the UK mm. curve there. Um, and really, again, just that, that story of surprising resilience, essentially, GDP growing 0.2% in the quarter, um, in the in the June month, the the monthly outcome came in at 0.5 percent month on month versus zero percent expected. So so you know a fairly strong month to to cap off the quarter there. Um, in the month, kind of the upside surprise driven by kind of manufacturing output, but looking in the quarter, there were kind of upside surprises across household spending, government consumption, and, and investment as well. So so fairly broad based, and as you say, just kind of that that concern that the the BOE will have to do even more in order to see inflation um, back to target is there and we get kind of a couple of important updates on the UK data front next week as well in in inflation which is expected to to moderate um, a little bit but still again remaining much too high and and more data on on wages as well and really given where wages are um, some softening in in that kind of those wages numbers would be would be needed for more confidence inflation's getting back to target and you know while activity Continues to remain surprisingly resilient. Um, the you know the the confidence in that forecast for for labour market cooling and, and softening in that wages backdrop is is going to be fragile. Yeah, I mean we keep on using that word resilience, don't we, for the UK? But we have to remember they are not back where we were before COVID. Just about everyone else is. They are behind in this race to get to, to get back to where we started from. No, yeah, no, it's a it's a good point and important context that you know that the starting point isn't necessarily as good. The, the headwinds, as we've talked about, maybe a a little bit greater. Um, but you know, you can see mm. you can see what's coming through in the the inflation backdrop. What we're seeing in kind of the the kind of second round effects through domestically driven inflation and 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 wages growth that the BOE has been concerned about. That you know, even though activity hasn't you know 
surpassed pre-pandemic levels as it has in a lot of other advanced economies, it's it's still there and it's still, you know, butting up against capacity constraints in a way that is that is inflationary, um, even though, you know, we might like it to activity to be a bit higher. Yeah. Um, well, one central bank, at least, that doesn't need to worry too much about all this sort of stuff, perhaps, is the RBNZ. We get their decision this week. So... Uh, quite a fall in the Kiwi dollar on Friday, down 0.6% on the day. Maybe that's a good thing because uh, we saw their manufacturing PMI coming soft. Food prices easing for New Zealand as well. So does that make it an easy decision? Well, I think, you know, it was a, it was fairly uh, fairly wide consensus that there would be no change from from the RBNZ um, this week, even even ahead of that that data on Friday. As you say, the, the manufacturing index are a little bit softer than expected. Food prices falling 0.5% in July as well. So, you know, that reduces some of that upside pressure to, to Q3 CPI estimates that had been kind of creeping a little bit higher on the back of kind of rising fuel prices and, and other things. But yeah, looking ahead, to um, to Wednesday, our um, RBNZ colleagues definitely think that the the RBNZ is unlikely to to change, and think that you know the outlook coming out of that that MPS as well is likely to be um, fairly similar to to the kind of the previous guidance as well. And the China slowdown continues, so we we saw a big drop in new wine loans. I mean, can the Aussie really recover while that China story continues in the direction it's heading without us seeing any stimulus coming from from, from the government? And still, you know, the possibility of higher rates coming out of the US or certainly, you know, uh, higher for longer anyway. I mean, the Aussie is going to be sort of like sticking pretty much where it is for quite some time, isn't it? Yeah, it's certainly certainly a challenging environment, challenging backdrop for for the Aussie kind of down around 65 cents and ending the week slightly below 65 cents actually last week. Um, Difficult to to see that the Aussie getting too much too much support unless there is some kind of some kind of further evidence of some at least stabilization and, and some more support coming through for China or as you say, that kind of US dollar piece and also a big part of the, the Aussie picture as well. But if that does happen, then maybe we'll see a swift response in the other direction. We'll see, won't we? Well, look, this week, acquired as a mouse today, isn't it? But yeah, a fairly busy week. We've got the RBNZ that we talked about. We get UK inflation, US retail sales, and uh, Australia's employment numbers as well later on in the week. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So very quiet start to the week. Um, but yeah, looking ahead, uh, Australian data, there is a couple of interesting things on, on the calendar. We've got the, the wages numbers for the second quarter coming up on Tuesday, and then employment numbers on on. Thursday, um, we had Governor Lowe on on Friday in front of Parliament, not saying too much new, but just kind of emphasising that uh, the RBA is in what they're calling a, a calibration phase now, and so you know certainly retaining that hiking bias, but but needing to see um, evidence in in the data that would that would push them to do to do a little bit more. Maybe not too much scope for that in the um, in the the labour market data coming up this week, um, but certainly for that for that wages backdrop and the employment picture that will be um, the highlight of the domestic calendar. Um, and then, yeah, offshore, we've got US retail sales, the FOMC minutes as, as well, and, and inflation data from the UK and Canada are also filling out the week. Enough to keep us occupied in a, uh, what, you know, almost certainly will be another choppy week, won't it? Because we're just saying any bit of news, we seem to be reacting in quite an extreme fashion lately. So we'll see what, uh, what the week brings for us. But uh, catch you later on, Taylor. Thank you. Thanks, Phil. And that is the morning call for Monday. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.